the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin. This is... Uh, not Ed Martin. <laughs> this is Ryan Height. I am filling in today uh, for Ed while he is out on assignment. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we have a great show ahead for you here. A couple of good guests that you're going to want to hear. Absolutely. And then uh, there's actually a pretty big what you need to know today. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and let you in on a little secret. At the end, I've got a wrap up today that's got a little bit of trivia for you and something very important uh, that all is tied into an upcoming event uh, that's being hosted by our uh, day job, our parent company. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, uh, something that's kind of off the radar, but I think is very important for uh, particularly conservatives to understand. So uh, before we go any further, again, let me welcome you to the Pro-America Report. This is a good reminder. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can find all of our um, past shows, all the past standalone segments, the full podcasts. Uh, If you miss something, that's where you can go. Find the notes, get the links. You can find the audio and send it to your friends and family if it's something they need to listen to as well. And also, most importantly, Importantly, there at ProAmericaReport.com is where you can sign up for the email list. You will get the daily What You Need to Know email straight to your inbox every morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and it will have a very short synopsis of something big you need to know, plus six links and a tweet of the day from a good conservative. There is a very good punch to that short email each and every morning. Go to phyllisschlafly.com or proamericareport.com. You can sign up for that email there. Get on the list, and we promise not to spam you except with good content. But let me go no further uh, without diving into what you need to know today. Uh, There is uh, something that's been said multiple times now by different members of the Biden administration. Joe Biden himself, Kamala Harris, both have gone down this track. Uh, But this weekend... Uh, the uh, White House press, uh, press secretary decided to run down uh, the run down the track with them in declaring that uh, your kids don't belong to you. Your children are not yours. Children are not a uh, responsibility of. They don't belong to the parents. They're our children. They're all of our children. Well, when someone from the government tells you that they're our, they're our kids, too. Uh, I don't know what else to think other than to to the believe that the Biden administration firmly believes that our kids, America's kids, belong to the government. And this is just make no mistake. They are not accidentally saying this. This isn't a a slip of the tongue, uh, you know, a misphrase that they mean to say something else. This is actually what they mean. And this is an incredibly important point to camp out on and understand because they have said it so front and center yet again. In fact, what uh, the White House press secretary said uh, this weekend uh, was even a little bit further. She went so far as to say that um Uh, that they have been very clear, the Biden administration, these are our kids. They belong to all of us. And of course, the context behind this, she is absolutely bashing states who are putting together laws to protect children from the invasive 
predatory push to sexualize them, to get them to make life-altering permanent changes to their bodies for this radical transgender ideology. And her response to states trying to limit uh, the predatory move against children is to say, no, no, they're not your kids. They are our kids. They're all of our kids. They belong to all of us. Absolutely incredible to hear this out of her mouth. But again, this isn't the first time. We've heard this from Joe Biden himself. We've heard this from Kamala Harris. So where does this come from? And, and I mean, this is, a, a, this is, I think, what I would say probably one of the biggest issues in America. I know we talked, and, and Ed's right, last week we talked about the border a lot, the expiring of Title 42 protections. The border is uh, inarguably probably the biggest issue that we're facing right now, but this is one of the ones that just won't go away. You'll remember this, this started boiling over in some of the school districts of Virginia a year or two ago. It has continued through. You have seen huge uh, changes to take place in especially big city school districts like the Miami-Dade school district in their last elections. Miami-Dade flipped from blue to red a huge urban area because parents are mad because someone is coming for their responsibility, their prerogative, their decision making over their kids and and they are coming to take away the rights that a parent has to safeguard their children. And that's a big deal. That affects all of us. This isn't a left issue, a right issue. This is an issue itself that goes to the core of who we are as Americans. I hate to say that, steal a phrase from the Biden administration, folks, but that's, I mean, they're always talking about, you know, who we are as Americans. It's not who we are. Well, I'll tell you who we are as Americans. And I'm actually, we're going to post a link to this uh, in the show notes. It'll also be posted up on social media at Eagle Ed Martin. Go follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow Ed if you haven't already. I'll make sure that we post this link he does over there. But this is absolutely infuriating because, you know, just to strip away all of the politics and get down to brass tacks. Uh, the way you know in the in the Christian understanding, even the we'll broaden that in in the Judeo Christian ethics, the understanding of all of our founders, the way that America, that this republic was set up, God ordained the institution of family first. It came before the church. It came before civil government. That's for darn sure. It came before everything except for God's creation of man himself. This is an incredibly important uh, institution to every society that has ever existed in history. And our founders recognized and understood that this American Republic has always acknowledged the primary role and responsibility of parents to safeguard, to take care of, to guide, direct, to train their children, whatever word you want to put in there. And the whole point of the left in this movement against parents, against parental rights, is to essentially turn your children into property of the state. And, and you too, by the way. It is to create this idea that people are just a functional piece of property that all owe everything to the all-powerful state. It, it's a religion. It really is. This, this statism, the state being God, it, re- it really is a religion if you get down to it. And this is a key thing that we must understand. And, and, and make no mistake, and I'm a, by the way, the, the link that we're going to post goes uh, straight to our full statement on this today, putting all of these pieces together. And Ed was hot. He was hot in this one. And, and he has a right to be. He's, the, he's a father of four. He has two young ladies uh, that uh, he and his wife uh, are responsible for. And I tell you what, uh, this should make everyone's blood boil to watch public employees from the highest to the lowest level, essentially trying to destroy your family autonomy, this, this should absolutely be the hottest issue 
right now for everyone in America because this is a destruction of the fundamental unit that keeps us going, the family. So uh, this is beyond the pale, some of the stuff when you really pull back the, the veil and kind of understand where these folks are going. Um, it, it feels just completely unfathomable what they're willing to say. But here's what I want to make sure that you know. This is not just the elites, the people up in charge, the higher ups. This is all the way down to the to the lowest levels. There are people who think this. In fact, a Florida teacher, and we've got a link here in, in the statement that we're going to post. The Florida teacher actually got in trouble for playing a, a quote-unquote woke Disney movie in class, and one of her defenses of herself was to say, oh, no, 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 you, you have to understand, you're right to choose what your child does or doesn't get exposed to is gone you don't have those rights once they come in the doors of school and it's like oh my goodness this this really is from the highest to the lowest levels this pernicious belief that children belong to the community children belong to the state it goes all across uh, from top to bottom and it absolutely must be addressed that's what you need to know what you need to know is the biden administration says that your kids belong to them they belong to the government not you you're not in charge. How dare they? Oh, my goodness. That's that's what you need to know. Uh, go over to ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, you'll be able to find this link there. If not, we'll post it on social media at Eagle Ed Martin. Go and give him a follow. But that is what you need to know today. Come on back. We've got a couple of great guests. And again, I have a little trivia I'm going to bring back here at the end of the segment uh, or at the end of the show in the final segment. So uh, make sure you come back for that. Uh, again, this is Ryan Height filling in for Ed Martin today here on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, it's time. It's been a little bit of a little while and I wondered what was going on. And now I've got uh, uh, some clarity just off the air uh, talking to our old friend John Zadrozny. And um, he was uh, he was down uh, last week. He was down at the border as Title 42 expired. He was down there before uh, and he also was down there or stayed through down, I think, in the El Paso area. He is, of course, the deputy director of investigations for America First Legal. If you go to AF legal.org aflegal.org you can see about all their different works so welcome back john how are you i'm great ed thanks for having me on as always so the press the media i noticed early in the week this week is saying things like well it's not as bad as it was supposed to be meaning they described it as like uh, most of us thought it, it is going to be the end of the world it still looks like it to me uh, or the end of the nation in many ways uh, but they're trying to say it wasn't as bad as they thought what so uh, what is the reality on the ground what did you see how did you experience it what's your assessment again uh, john zadrozny deputy director of investigations he's an attorney as well was a prosecutor up in uh, new york city city um so he has knows his way around a lot of this so what did you see well i, I don't know what those people were talking about ed but uh <laughs> basically the, what had been happening at the border for two years um is basically having a really deleterious effect on places like el paso and other cities along the border i was in el paso uh which i, I was first in 10 years ago it was a beautiful little city uh it's disgusting now no offense to the people who live there but it has been destroyed by the left and, and I, by that, I don't just mean the Biden administration. I mean by the useful idiot leftists that run that city now. Um, we had the privilege of getting there before Title 42 technically got pulled down. Um, we drove around the city a bit as a group. And one thing we, we drove by uh, was uh, Saint, uh, sorry, Sacred Heart Catholic Parish, which has been apparently a, a respite for a lot of the people coming across the border. But it looked like a, a U.N. refugee camp without the charm. Ed. It was disgusting. And the streets around that area have been essentially destroyed. People don't look... Like they like it. And for what it's worth, that's not just 
Uh, that's all the residents, including Hispanic Americans who live in that that town and that city. Uh, and I know for a fact that a lot of the people who own property there are very unhappy. But what was really interesting, Ed, is that um, you know we got there. It was a bit of a mess. We saw how disgusting it was, uh, and then what we what we noticed was that uh, they the, the city police started moving in to clean up. And they were cleaning up not because the city residents deserved cleanup or they deserved law enforcement, because the feds had asked them to clean those people out because there'd be a lot of media down there. And because oh, really? they wanted the room. Yeah. <laughs> and and because they wanted the room for uh, more of the illegal aliens they'd be letting in in the following days. So clearly the federal government thought it was going to be a disaster. They were preparing for it. They didn't want the optics of the city being disgusting. So they pushed people out. In fact, we literally uh, some of the people I was with got video of El Paso Metro Police really pushing people out of an alley uh, with their bags and their garbage uh, so that they would go away. Mm. And it's it's a reminder, too, like the left doesn't really care about humanitarian treatment of people. Uh, they care about the political value of letting people in illegally. But when it comes to the treatment of individual human beings, they really don't care about them. Uh, we're talking again, John Zadrozny. Uh, he was down on the border. He's the deputy director of investigations of America First Legal. America First Legal is aflegal.org. Um, so, John, what happens next? I, I guess, you know, one of the things we're all covering, and there's been coverage, it's been good to see it, and, and it's very disturbing and all. But what happens next? I did see some uh, some of the um, uh, coverage showed that, that people are admitted – and and they are processed in some way. So it's not, you know, for people that aren't paying attention to it, they are put into the system, meaning they're what? Told, okay, you're here. I, I, I was saying last week that the first act that we've asked these people to do is lie because they have to basically say they're here for a reason that doesn't matter whether it's true or not. And maybe in some cases it is, but generally it's not. They've been told how to answer the question, right? So they, they are technically processed. Well, it depends on how you view the, view that and so one thing that is supposed to happen what's supposed to happen in their system is very straightforward if you come into the country illegally you're either supposed to be turned around and sent back to mexico um you are supposed to be detained or you are supposed to be removed and in a really small percentage of and i mean super small percentage of circumstances you can be paroled into the country and that's for very limited things like for example you're attending a family funeral and you don't have time to get a visa or you're, you've been stabbed and we need to get you to a hospital and the only place that can save your life is on the American side of the border. Um, those are the only circumstances in which you should be paroled into the country. What the Biden administration has essentially been doing since day one is basically saying, uh, okay, you're here, uh, go to the country and we'll call you at some point for an asylum hearing. They were doing in, – in 2021, for example, they were doing something which is completely illegal. They, they, the traditional piece of paperwork you're supposed to be issued as an alien is uh, what's called a notice to appear or an NTA. And the notice right. to appear is supposed to give you a court date. It's basically supposed to identify you, take your information down, your contact information down, and give you a court date. The value of that is several fold, but one important aspect of that is if you don't show up, your claim gets rejected. Uh, so what they were doing is they made up this new form out of whole cloth without permission called the notice to uh, report, which means they were basically let in without any A number or any additional instructional paperwork other than Go to a nice facility in the city where you choose to settle, and then you'll get a court date. Well, okay, ask yourself this question. How many people are going to do that? Very few did. Some did, apparently. They were given poor information. Some of these offices were closed and not accepting people. Uh, The bottom line is they were breaking the law because they were doing something they weren't allowed to do. So, yes, they're being processed in that they are encountering a federal official who is talking to them, probably giving them a sandwich, and then telling them to do something else. But what processed in a lawful administration means detention and removal, 
unless you are one of a handful of people who actually have a valid asylum cl- a claim, and then we can figure out what to do with you at that point. Uh, but they're not processing in a legal way. What they're basically doing is just letting people in. And um, and does it does is the expectation? I, I, I mean, I, I know I don't know that it matters too much, but is it will it slow now? Was it? Or, or I, I know I heard reports last week um, that they were people were masked at the border and that and that. But you know, I wondered about is is the more likely scenario that people are sending back word, um, you know, to their home country that hey, it is working. Come on down. What 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 is the expectation of the future? Uh, well, I agree with you, Ed. I, I think one of the, the biggest downsides of Title 42 is the, the telephone game messaging aspect. Um, we know for a fact that the Biden administration was not using Title 42 as effectively as the Trump administration was. The Trump administration was using it completely across the board. There were exceptions, a couple of very minor exceptions, but the, for the most part, if you were a human being who came to the U.S. border trying to get in, we used Title 42 and said you may not enter, and a lot of people turned around. And that had a very positive effect from a messaging standpoint, because once the message got home saying you're not getting in, the flow of people slowed down. Now, the Biden administration has essentially turned Title 42 into Swiss cheese. They've created exceptions upon exceptions. Uh, and I think uh, one of the groups I believe was that was being excluded effectively was uh, any single males that were trying to come in. But exceptions for fake family units. I mean, there were family units. Some were probably real. Some were probably fake. The bottom line is they had carved it up to the point where it wasn't really as effective as it was. That doesn't matter, though. When the message gets out internationally saying you can get in now much more easily than before, that has a multiplier effect. So I'm waiting to see how many people are going to start making movements from other countries. There were apparently settlements. I mean, this is a a testament to the failure of the third worldism of Joe Biden. There was a camp of illegal aliens parked on U.S. soil south of a fence waiting for Title 42 to expire. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm sure it wasn't the only one. Right. I have no idea what was actually done to address it. But like, that's just I don't even have words for that, Ed, because that's just a complete and total failure of the government's service to us. And so I think it's going to get ugly. It may not get ugly immediately. It takes a little while for transport to happen. Um, But I think it's going to get uglier. We're going to see that soon. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with uh, uh, we're talking about the border and Title 42. And, um, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking back for these. Uh, I got an email from somebody who was down on the border. I thought of you I meant to forward it to you to ask you what you you thought. I mean, one of the things John Zadrozny is our guest, uh, John, uh, deputy Invest- deputy director of investigations over at America First Legal, AFLegal.org, um, is, is you must be getting tips. Right. I mean, at a certain point, AF legal. First of all, are there legal actions that can be taken at this point? There was some things that were playing out. But basically, you're in this funny position where since it's the federal government that has to stand sort of up for (laughs) we the people, uh, a lot of the options go away. But you must also be getting a lot of tips from people on what's going on. What's the state of uh, sort of influx of information and then what's possible in terms of legal action? Well, I think we are getting some information here and there, Ed, from people who are working inside the government saying, hey, look, we know this isn't – they're not doing this thing they're supposed to be doing. They're breaking the law. And uh, we get those every now and then. In, in terms of what's going on to stop what's going on, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we are involved some, in some litigation, and there is some – there's other litigation too. For example, you probably saw – um, that suit, uh, Ashley, we talked about it, I think, last time. Yeah. Uh, the Florida Attorney General's Office won that wonderful lawsuit against the Biden administration for basically making up programs out of whole cloth without congressional authorization. And they said, no, you can't do that. Now, the, the they tried to appeal it at the very last minute. Um, they, you know, bootstrapping a problem and then claiming a need for an emergency stay of the injunction. And the judge, Judge Weatherall, basically said, have a seat. 
uh, you, you know, you, you guys have completely blown this and you're not doing this right. And it's basically you're not following federal law. Uh, so there are other suits I'm sure that are going to pop up. The bottom line is anything that we can do from a litigation standpoint to stop these illegal, these illegal actions by this administration are important. They are trying to basically manipulate the process and say that everything they're doing is just a, a variation on what's allowed by law, but it's not because the law is very clear. Again, you are allowed to be detained, turned around, detained, and removed. And every with a with super minor number of exceptions, you can be paroled into the country. What they've done is inverted that. They've basically made the norm the parole process. Right. And I, for what for what it's worth, that I think that the, the left's uh, complete violation of the rule of law here during this administration gives, God willing, the next Republican administration an awful lot of leeway for removing people because almost everyone who is in the country is here illegally. Yeah. Um, the, 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 just because a federal government does something doesn't mean it's lawful. Well, that's one of the talking points they've been using. They've been saying, you know, it's like, moi, like I am the law. If we let them in, right, it's lawful. Right. It's not. Right. And right. I think um, we're going to um, have. Uh, John Zdrozny is our guest, deputy director of investigations over to America First Legal. But, John, an attorney, you practice, you're a prosecutor. Um, you've been uh, around the policy issues. I guess what I want to know is uh, it feels worse now that we have either lawfare where the law is used against certain citizens for based on on a, a, a what looks like either an ideology or a preference maybe just call it a preference say you know i don't like you know that you're a white former marine in new, in new york who stood up so i'm going to charge you with manslaughter uh, and then but that's one version and you know you, there's lots of examples of lawfare but then this sort of willful uh disregard for the law and i i i hearken it back to after roe v wade happened up in michigan the attorney general of michigan immediately said i know there's a law that bans abortion in my state i i it was not it was not active the law was not able to be enforced because of roe v wade but i don't care that roe v wade has been reversed i will not enforce the law and i thought holy cow like that's that's beyond you know john is it worse than it's ever been or are we seeing it more than we've ever seen it uh, that's a great question, Ed. I think it's worse than it's ever been. I, I and I say this from my personal experience as yeah, having been a prosecutor, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right. In, a bl- in a blue jurisdiction where you know there were Democrats and Republicans, but pro- law, public safety, crime taken seriously, it wasn't put through a political lens, at least as far as I could tell. Um, I'm sure other people could echo that based on their experiences. It does seem to be worse than it's ever been. It does seem to be that we now have people who they put their job through a political filter and if the thing they're supposed to do hurts their enemies uh then they'll do it if the thing they're supposed to do could be perceived to help their enemies they won't do it um Mm -hmm. and i also get a kick out of the fact the left is usually the first group to bust out the rule of law talking point when trying to stop the right Right. from doing something Right, right right um but it's usually not the case in fact i found that uh for the most part conservatives are more apt to be the ones to say, look, I wish I could do something different, but the law says X and that's what the law says. And you see that in a lot of federal cases where the judges, the the judges that are being honest with you are the ones who are saying, look, uh, I don't have the authority to do that thing. I'm constrained. The law says X and therefore the plaintiff should do X. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's really it, frustrating. It, it, I do think it, it it's does. Worse. Yeah, it does seem worse. But I, I it, you know, it's one of these things where partly ha- thankfully we're seeing it. But the other thing that's a little odd, John, to me is it used to be when you shined a light on this 
um, kind of thing, it would get a response. It was almost like you'd scurry away, like, you know, I, I, it's a little too dramatic, but, and, and if I say cockroaches, people will say I'm talking about people. I'm not talking about people. I'm saying if you've ever lived in a place that had cockroaches, and I did, when you put the lights on, they scurried into hiding. It used to be when you saw people be lawless, meaning the lack of enforcement of the border and all, when you shined a light on it, it would modify behavior. It doesn't modify behavior with this administration. No, Ed, and I too lived at a place where there were cockroaches, and that's exactly what happens. They run for the hills. But right. uh, no, I I don't quite know what that's what's going on. My best theory on that, Ed, is that the left now has its full lockstep um, me- mechanism with the media, and so the media is going to cover for them. So there's a laziness there built in by the defense from the mainstream media and other outlets, right? So whereas in the past, even you know, a, a WABC, like a, you know, the big networks. NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, they enjoyed a little bit of coverage from pointing out hypocrisy of government officials. Uh, they don't do that now because yeah. now they're basically part of the apparatus and they're shilling yeah. for them. Yeah. I mean, that's my theory. Yeah, no, no, I think it's, I think it sounds, sounds like a plausible one. There's probably a couple different ways you can go with it, but all right, John, John's a draws everybody, deputy director of investigations for America first legal. He was down on the border before title 42 expired and then stayed down there a day or so. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll continue to be digging into it. He again is, uh, over at America first legal. If you go to aflegal.org, you can find out more about all the different work they're doing. Uh, thanks very much, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. Great to talk to you as always. Okay, good talking to you. We'll take a break, everybody, and come back. I'll put up on social media uh, links to uh, John's work over there. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My friend, Mark Ludwig, he's been a friend of mine for probably 15 years, maybe more. Um, and he's out there across the country, really, uh, in, in lots of different communities, local communities, state communities. Americans for Equal Shared Parenting is a group. It's not a group that he leads. It's a group that he started out of his own experience with his family, with his son. Uh, and across the country, uh, they have events. They have, um, I think they would, uh, growing, they have grown their expertise and a growth growing uh, leadership role. And so Mark Ludwig uh, joins us. It's been a while since we had you on, Mark. So welcome back. How are you, sir? Ah, Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you, Mark. Before we get into the uh, specifics of what has happened and is happening, a lot of legislative sessions racing to the end. Give our uh, listeners a refresher on, you know, on the website right now, if you go to AFESP.com, that's Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com, you'll see 50-50 in 2022 is a line I see there. Give us this sort of uh, a summary of what, you know, equal shared parenting means, why it's so important. Yeah, basically the, the premise is that every child deserves a equal right to both of their parents after divorce. Uh, unfortunately, in the overwhelming majority of cases across the country for the last couple decades, after the a child would have equal access the day before the divorce, but the day after the divorce, one of those parents would be relegated to an every other weekend visitor with maybe a dinner on Wednesday nights. And all the social science has showed that a child needs that. And and I believe that. I think God intended it that way. That's why opposites attract. Each has a strength and each has a weakness. So what we wanted to do is, is create some laws. And I worked, it's not just me. There's a whole team of organizations and people that have worked on this. But Trying to say that, hey, the, the child is, they're already confused enough that the parents are getting a divorce. 
the last thing you need is getting even more confusion where you pull one of those parents out of their lives. So the premise is that the child should start the case having equal access to both parents. Now, it's what we call a rebuttable presumption. So a judge still has discretion in case a parent is unfit, unwilling, or unable. Uh, We're talking again. Mark Ludwig is uh, my friend, and he uh, helps. He runs the uh, organization, but it's a it's a labor of love. It's a I've been to speak. I've spoken at their events, and and you get a cross section of uh, not just. By the way, it's not just fathers. Not a father's group only. There's moms there. There's uh, uh, grandparents there. They're saying, "Hey, wait, you know, we need this." As he said, uh, equal shared parenting is the starting point. And there's lots of uh, lots of specifics, lots of specific instances. But the problem is, as we've talked about before, Mark and others have highlighted. Uh, the system seems to be skewed often, often against one of the parents, and often that's the father. So, all right, Mark. So across the country, legislatures have opportunities to take up fixes and and ways to say, "Hey, wait, this is what we prefer." Maybe to illustrate that best, tell me what happened in Missouri in the last couple of weeks. The legislative session ended last week, last Friday. So, what what went on? What happened? How to go down? And and I think congratulations on some success. Yeah, yeah, this is exciting. A lot of us have been working. I've been working on it eight years. I know there's at least two people in Missouri have been working on it nine years, and it's been blocked every single year. Uh, this year, we finally got it through. It, the challenge in Missouri had always been the Senate. Uh, this year, we passed the Senate first, so it went over to the House. Uh, I don't know if your listeners from around the country know, but there was a lot of the traditional infighting between members of the Senate, members of the House, and then the two chambers fighting amongst each other especially in the last week of session. So it literally came down to the wire. We didn't know if it was going to be, ha- if it was going to happen. Uh, I met with the Speaker of the House on Wednesday, and it wasn't a guarantee at that point. And uh, session ended at 6 o'clock on Monday. It passed at 4.55 on Monday, an hour and five minutes before the close of session. So it came down to the wire this year. <laughs> Uh, and what what exactly? I think you said Monday. You meant to say Friday, right? Didn't it? Doesn't it end Friday. on Friday? Yeah, Friday, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Friday was the end of session for the yeah, year. Friday. You, I think I heard Monday, but maybe I'm not, not listening well enough up. So tell me what it does. Tell me what this one does. Is this the best we can do? Is this the best you could do? Is it? You mentioned you've been at it eight years. I know you've been slogging away in a lot of parts <laughs> of the country for a long time. What, what, what does this one do? And you know, is it good enough? What would you prefer? And where are we? You know, in terms of having people really understand this. You know, we still have more to go, but this law basically starts with the premise that a child is presu- there's a rebuttable presumption that a child has 50 50 access to both parents the day after a divorce. So the key is that a child is, isn't going to be relegated as an every other weekend visitor to one parent, which creates sort of a, a subordinate relationship with the two parents. And it's very confusing for a child. So now a child will have equal time throughout the year. Uh, you know, 182 days, basically, with, with both parents throughout the year. And uh, there's still some other things that we'd like to get. Uh, we did also add on to this one, Senator Carla May, who's a Democrat, really uh, was the one who, who got this through, um, some due process for arrearages in child support. Currently mm. in Missouri, uh, if you're $2,500 behind in child support, you can have your driver's license, your professional licenses taken away. And there are people who intentionally try to avoid child support, but there's a lot of other people when $2,500 is the limit, you know, it could take six months before you get a modification if you lose your job. Well, in that period of time, you're easily going to fall $2,500 behind. So she has a due process uh, set up in this bill also 
that a judge has to look at what was the intent and would it allow the person to still continue to to make a living before they remove someone's license. So all in all, it, it was a two for one deal. We're pretty excited in Missouri here. Uh, we're talking to Mark Ludwig. Mark, uh, again, uh, put people know uh, AFES, AFESP, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFESP.com. Mark, um, how is the movement going? You've talked in the past to me about how it kind of ebbs and flows. People seem to get it. I mean, to me, the onslaught, the uh, the, the sort of division of our family by all kinds of means is is just wild you know we could we could have a different discussion about divorce law you know no fault divorce how much that's changed we could have a discussion about family courts you know we've had i've had frequent guests on some investigative reporters talking about how unfair and uneven the family courts are you've talked about equal shared parenting um where is the movement do we you know me too was such a mess in my opinion you know an instinct was fine no one should be abused no one should be uh, taken advantage of but a lot of these things went too far and and the too far part of it is is i hope swinging back but where is this movement for for uh equal shared parenting and and sort of a balanced approach to these very difficult questions well uh, we actually have two things going on <laughs> opposite directions in red states there's a very positive momentum going on. We also, two weeks ago, Florida passed a very similar bill, uh, and they'd been working for just as long. And the Florida bill, I could be wrong, but I think there were only two no votes in the entire House in Florida. So in red states, we're doing great. Uh, last year, West Virginia passed a law. Arkansas passed a rock-solid law two years ago. Kentucky passed a law. So red states are doing very, very well. Blue states are doing the opposite with this Cadence Law, where they're allowing basically red flag laws to come up for, uh, you know, instances where somebody can just allege child abuse or allege domestic abuse, and one parent automatically is going to be removed as a as a parent. So, blue states are going in one direction, red states are going the other direction at this point. The uh, it's um, and that's that seems to be pretty common. Is there anything that you could or would expect at the federal level? I know obviously it's split government. You're not going to probably get it past the Senate and this president. <laughs> but is the is the U.S. House is Republican leadership in the House an opportunity at least sort of um, I don't know uh, educate the the uh, the the country on the issues and maybe set the table for the future? Yeah, thanks for asking on that. I'm glad you did. Actually, Andy Biggs, our mutual friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great guy. Uh, actually filed a bill last month. It's the first of many he's going to be filing. And as you said, in the short term, it's not going to do a lot. But it basically is trying to reduce the budget for uh, Title 4D, which is what Phyllis Schlafly right. uh, back 25 years ago was one of the first people saying this is going to create a fatherless society. And she was dead on in all of her predictions. But Andy Biggs has started filing. He filed the first, uh, but he has several more he'll be filing uh, this coming year. So we are starting to, but as you said, until we get a larger control of Congress, there's really nothing major going to happen yet. Well, again, uh, let me just encourage you, Mark. I, you've, you've been, you've been one of the great, um, uh, advocates in terms of, um, sticking to it, you know, and, and for people that think, Oh, I got a winning position. I'll just get this done in a weekend, you know, or, or two weeks or a month. Uh, it's years long, uh, issue. And, uh, again, Americans for Equal Shared Parenting, AFE, sp.com there's a lot of there there resources that people want to learn more resources that they want to reach out and see what's happening in your local community thank you for all you're doing and uh, keep us in the loop mark 
All right. Thanks again, Ed. All right. Mark Ludwig, everybody. I will put up on social media a link to his website and uh, watch that. It's an important issue. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that uh, the family is um, is damaged and uh, Mark and his uh, crew. And it's it's a it's a band of brothers and sisters, volunteers and others who have stepped up. So congratulations to him and for Missouri uh, for doing the right thing. So we will uh, take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. I've told you some facts about the unfairness of our trade with China, how China violates the rules and engages in spying and cheating. Let me give you an example of how this works. DuPont had built a $17 billion a year industry selling a product called Titanium White, which makes dozens of commonplace items white, from toothpaste to plastics to paint. China tried to buy the process from DuPont, but DuPont would not sell its 70-year-old business. So the communist Chinese just stole it, using a Chinese immigrant, Zi Chao, who worked for DuPont as an engineer. After his arrest, he explained that the Chinese, in asking me to provide DuPont trade secrets to them, overtly appealed to my Chinese ethnicity and asked me to work for the good of the People's Republic of China. That's how many immigrants retain their loyalty to their native country. A Chinese immigrant scientist named Kexi Huang, who held positions at both Dow AgroSciences and Cargill, stole their trade secrets and sent them to China to promote China's strategic science goals. He was caught and pled guilty. Assistant Attorney General Lanny Brewer said, These crimes present a danger to the U.S. economy and jeopardize our nation's leadership in innovation. The free traders in the United States have been telling us for years that trade would lure China away from communism to embrace private enterprise and become a good fellow in the global community. That is not happening, although China has allowed a few powerful bosses to get very rich. The Communist Party has retained all the reins of power. China just issued a requirement that new lawyers must swear an oath of loyalty to the Communist Party. They must swear these words, quote, to uphold the leadership of the Communist Party of China and the socialist system. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When it comes to international trade, other countries have long been taking advantage of the American people and our generous spirit. At phyllisschlafly.com, we've got strategies to balance trade and protect the interests of American companies, resources, and citizens. For more, go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. Again, this is Ryan Height filling in here in the booth for Mr. Ed Martin, who's out on assignment. Let me give you a two-parter, a twofer, what you need to do. Uh, First of all, I want you to answer my trivia question. Second of all, I want you to go and research it more once I've told you. 
First, what is the only use of the word right in the Constitution proper? Uh, the, the Constitution itself, not the first 10, not the Bill of Rights, not any of the amendments in the Constitution proper. This is where we would play the Jeopardy music if we could. So do it in your head. The only use of the word right in the Constitution is in reference to inventors, to the keeping of the fruits of your creativity, intellectual property, patents. This is an incredibly core American idea. In fact, we are the only country that has given such privilege, such protection to intellectual property and creativity. And that is at the very core of why we are prosperous as a nation, why we have been prosperous. So you want to know more about that? Go to phyllisschlafly.com slash patents. Not only will you find a lot of information about patents and intellectual property, Phyllis Schlafly's legacy of work on that, but you will also see an upcoming event in Washington, D.C. next week. You might be able to RSVP for it. You never know. Go and check it out. phyllisschlafly.com slash patents. Uh, thank you for letting me join you today. Thank you for letting me be with you in uh, Ed's place. And don't forget, go to proamericareport.com. You'll find all of the standalone segments there. Sign up for the email list. Get the email every morning. And we will look forward to seeing you back here on the Pro America Report tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.